We've been talking a lot in the last uh, three or four, can you believe it's September already? Is today the first day of September? I think it is. Uh, but it's, uh, it's been about a month now since we've uh, kind of started this series that we call The Four. Uh, if you've been around Bay Life for any amount of time, you know pretty much every year as we start a new school year, but we want to focus in on who we are. We want to remember what it is that God has put us here uh, in Brandon, in this area, on this earth uh, to do. And so... Uh, we've talked about it this way. Everybody's going to read it with me as we kind of get cranking this morning. Everybody, full voices. Here we go. We live to glorify God. Say it with me. Here we go. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. We are disciples of Jesus. If you're not one yet, I trust you soon will be. In fact, that reminds me. Last week, someone else right after this service on Sunday put their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. This is a disciple-making factory, for lack of a better word. We are, as a, as a church, as an institution, not, not just an organization or a, you know, a place with a, a name and a logo and stuff like that. We are a part of a greater organism of disciple-makers. We are here at the behest of God himself, created by him and for him, to go out and be used of him in seeing others know and follow him. That's, that's us. So uh, we do that in lots of different ways. We share the gospel with people who don't know yet. For those who have found the gospel, we want to make sure that they're growing in their faith. One of the ways that we do that is we gather on Sundays, and I talk to you, and we sing songs, and we, we grow forward in our uh, understanding of who Jesus is. Another way we can do that uh, is we can be a part of disciple-making uh, uh, relationships, and we're actually starting another class of, uh, uh, of how to disciple, essentially, uh, uh, next week uh, on the 8th, it's basic discipler training, and uh, we basically try to take people who are willing to share their lives in and, and, and one-on-one or one-on-some relationships and help those who are trying to grow. If that's you, you if you've never been discipled, you can uh, come and be a part of this ministry by being the discipled, uh, but if you want to be the person who's helping a discipled uh, or, or a newfound follower or, or a growing follower grow in their relationship with Christ, we've we got all these books and great ways to train you. Uh, So that starts next week. We are um, here on earth to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Now, the four are just the ways that we try to help ourselves understand where we're going to do that whole disciple-making thing. Uh, The four, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, are uh, we exist to worship God and him alone, right? Right? Okay, good. Let's, Let's stay sharp, people. I know it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, we are here to belong to God and to each other in community and in relationships. And I know many of you uh, took the plunge and uh, signed up for life groups and, and maybe you've already visited them for the first time. Um, I've been so grateful to, in the last couple of weeks, get back in the life groups that I'm a part of. And uh, we are here for each other in, in community and in unity uh, to belong to each other. Last week we talked about multiplying, uh, becoming disciples who make disciples and sharing our faith. Some of you took the uh, the challenge last week to talk to someone, uh, maybe for the first time or again after a long time, uh, about your faith, and I pray that went well. I pray all of us would be better at multiplying. But today, and even next week, we're going to talk about this last one in the four, this area of service. I find it um, fitting that we're talking about um, serving on a weekend where we celebrate Labor Day, which really, for most of us, is not a Labor Day, right? Like, Labor Day in our country means, oh, good, I don't have to go to work or school, and uh, I don't know about what, what you got planned for tomorrow. I think Labor Day started as a kind of a time where you would kind of sew up what was going on in the summer and get prepared for the fall, up in the, especially in the northern states where they have seasons. Heard of them? Um, 
but so it was like, you know, for, for a lot of years in our culture, it was a day of labor. So it was called Labor Day. For most of us, though, it's a day by the pool or at the beach or cookouts. Lots of burgers will be consumed tomorrow, right? Um, maybe you're going to work and you're like, shut up, Mark. Uh, but I, I find it interesting that we're going to talk about service on a day uh, or on a weekend where we celebrate something called Labor Day where most of us don't labor because uh, unfortunately in the church, that's kind of how it, it, it trends. Um, we have been saved to serve. And yet people uh, oftentimes come to church and, and, and they don't, they don't want to do that. They want to be served. In fact, most of you came in this morning and you've been served by um, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 different people already. Someone, you know, set up cones so you can drive your cars where they're supposed to go. Some of you uh, drop kids off at, uh, you know, a, a building next door that's manned by hundreds of, of, of people, or at least 100 people right now. Um, uh, you came in here and someone greeted you and handed you bulletins, and uh, someone was here early and made, the, made sure the air was on so that, you know, we're cold right now or cold-ish. Is anybody too cold? Doesn't matter. Wear a sweater. Anyway, uh... <laughs> But all kinds of people have served you already today. And I, I look out in this room, and I've, I've spent, you know, 15 years with a lot of you, and I know you get it. You understand. Church doesn't happen. Weekends don't happen. Church in general, the ministries of this church don't happen except that people serve. And I esteem those of you who serve. But there's still a good portion of us in here who we just come in and enjoy the soft black chairs. And uh, we walk back out. And uh, we talk about it at lunch as to whether or not we liked what our experience was. And, um, and yet we're not contributors uh, to what's going on in God's church. So here comes another sermon on service. Lots of sermons uh, on service are, are um, predicated on the fact that there's, there's needs, there's slots that need to be filled. This isn't one of them. Absolutely, there's slots that need to be filled. I'm sure there's things that we'd love to have you come and help us with. But this isn't primarily a, a needs-based, we've got to have someone serve here type message. This is not what I need from you or what God needs from you. This is what God hopes for you. Service is what God hopes for you. In your life, there's so many lessons that you and I can never learn in the Christ life except that we go serve. Except that we set ourselves aside and humble ourselves and put others before ourselves. This past summer, my uh, uh, middle son, Cooper, uh, who's gone to college and basically you know, spent most of his uh, after high school years hanging out at my house and working at a, uh, a great store with a good friend. But uh, uh, he, he'd never really had an experience where you know, he went and just served. And so we found this camp in Eastern Canada that I used to be a part of when I was a kid. And uh, uh, we said, hey, why don't you go serve there? And he says, well, what will they pay me? So I called him up and said, hey, what do you usually pay a camp counselor, stuff like that? Well, he's an American. He can't get paid. It's just too much, too much red tape for a little church camp to try to figure out how to pay an American, you know, the pittance that they would get paid if he went to work there. And he says, well, that's, that's no good. I'm not going to get any money. And he says, well, we'll try to supplement that in other ways. But the point of you going, Coop, is not so that you can make money, <laughs> especially as a camp counselor. Who's ever been one of those? Like they paid me in sandwiches. That's how I got paid, right? He says, no, we, we, we want you to go, and you should want to go because of what you can do in the lives of those that God gives you to serve. Since its inception, the church has had to battle against the, uh, what Matt Chandler calls the arena culture, the come and watch, the come and sit 
I, uh, I love how there are certain instances in, in my life where uh, I've been reminded of that. I went to um, uh, Uganda. This is you know, back earlier, 20 years probably ago from now. Uh, I just started making my trips to Africa with some of the partners that we know there. And uh, uh, I was uh, uh, serving as a teacher in a, in a training for uh, pastors and, and served all week long, fr- you know, Monday through Friday, you know, eight or 10 hours a day, teaching, counseling, all that kind of stuff. Got to Saturday, and, and usually, if you've ever been on a mission trip, there's kind of, okay, now we're done, and we're going to go maybe see some things in this country that we've never been a part of. And then Sunday, almost always, you go to church. You go to church with your brothers and sisters that you've hung out with, and you get to experience the, you know, the worship of God in a different culture. So we went to this church, and just so you know, three hours. That's how long this service was. Okay? They sang one song for an hour and a half. <laughs> Felt like and it wasn't in English. <laughs> but you're just hanging out at this church, right? And, uh, but, but church is church. Like, you know, pretty much everywhere you go, church basically works the same way. You, you sing your songs. You, you have some testimonies and stuff like that, like they do, uh, did on that day. Uh, but then everything kind of winds down, and someone's going to preach. And so I was sensing that was happening. You know, they were winding down the song. The, the song uh, worship leader was, was kind of praying. And it's at this time that my buddy Moses, who was kind of my host for the week, elbowed me on the side and he said, I will be your interpreter this morning. And I said, pardon me? He said, you're preaching. Really? Moses, in my culture, uh, we try to let a brother know. And he just looked at me like, what? You're a preacher, right? Well, yeah, and that's the gifts that God gave you for the body of Christ, right? Well, yeah. And he said, well, preach. <laughs> yeah. So I got up and I preached. It's probably more lucid than what's going to happen today. But, uh... <laughs> and I know he preached anyway. Just so you know, and if you ever go somewhere and you're, you have an interpreter when you're preaching, they're preaching because they get to say whatever they want to say. Anyway, uh, and you don't know. I have no idea. I remember one time, this is an aside, but I remember one time I said like three words and then paused for him to interpret. He went for like two minutes. I'm like, that's way more. There's no way. I said three English words and you went for two minutes. He said I filled in. All right, anyway. uh, Listen, let's be honest. Here it is. It's easy to come into this situation, into the church, and sit. It's easy to come here and watch. All of you I trust are grateful that I didn't come up to you and say, I'm going to interpret for you today. But too many Christians come to church with this mindset. Uh, Check it off as a box that needs to be checked and say, there, I went to church. Did my duty. Got it in for another week. Some of you are watching online saying, well, I wasn't going to wake up and go to church on Labor Day weekend, but there, I watched online, kind of, because right now I'm ironing, you know, the lawn, whatever. I mean, but, but there, I did. Does everybody get my point? Lots of people. That's their mentality about church. Got to do it. There, I did. But I don't think that's what God hopes from his church when they gather. I don't think that's what God, that's what God hopes for his church uh, in general at all. God's hope for his church is that when they come together, when they, when they, when they think of each other, when they think of their mission and, and their common goal, uh, it's not there I went to church, there I was the church. 
I came and I served as a member of the body of Christ. I, I, I played my part, whatever that part is. I, I did what God has given me to do. And some of you are like, well, wait a minute, Mark. Are you saying that if I don't serve, I'm not a part of the church? I, I don't know if I can go that far. Certainly, uh, like I said, I think this has been kind of a, an issue in the church for 2,000 years. There's some who serve and understand that that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's some who's like, yeah, okay, well, I'll do those other parts, but not that. I can tell you, you're, you're kind of like an appendix. We don't really know what you're, you're doing in the body, but you're here. But I sense that God has something for all of us to do here or in his work outside of here. Because God created us for himself to glorify himself. Um, and he created us as, as Christ followers to be active, to be God-centric and to be others focused in how we live our lives. So I just got two points this morning. I'll try to go through them quickly and in an orderly fashion. But the first one is simply this. I've already started talking about Christ's followers are saved to serve. You and I were brought out of death and into life, not just so that we can enjoy heaven forever and enjoy relationships within the church for now, uh, but we were saved with a purpose, saved to be a part of the mission, saved to serve. I was walking with my wife yesterday uh, out of our uh, garage door, and I don't know if you do this, but I throw things that I want to you know, take to the trash by the garage doors, a reminder to take it there. I, I uh, just finished a milk jug, someone had finished a milk jug, and, uh, and so these normally go in our recycling, and I was heading out to do that. Uh, but this was Friday morning when we hadn't had all the latest models of uh, Dorian, and uh, I was about to walk out the door, and Eleanor grabbed this jug from me. She says, where are you going with that? I said, well, it's garbage, Eleanor. I was going to throw it out. She says, that is not garbage. We may have a Cat 3 you know, storm over our heads here in a few days. That's going to be our water jug and other jugs like it. And so just like that, something that was trash was now useful. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is where you started. Trash. Some of you are like, whoa, hey, settle down, pastor. I got self-esteem issues as, a, you know, as it is. I'm, going, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. If something dies in my house, if something starts to rot and decay, I throw it out. I call it trash. And the way the Bible describes it spiritually is that before we meet Christ, we're dead. There's nothing in us that is of, of worth, of, of value, other than that God loves us and esteems us and says, hey man, uh, I'm going to take that dead, rotten, rebellious trash of a soul and I'm going to, through Christ, um, forgive and redeem if only they'll have faith in what he's done for them. And so you and I uh, are on our way to the trash pile and uh, God pulls us out and he says, no, I'm going to make that one my son. I'm going to make her my daughter. I'm going to draw them into my family. And we rejoice in that. Who likes salvation? Anybody dig salvation? That's cool, right? Yeah, that's good stuff. And we, we look forward to, you know, uh, a day, one day when Jesus will either come back or we'll go to see him. There's, there's our salvation, there's our glorification, but there's this process in between called sanctification. And, and we've talked about that uh, ad nauseum here, maybe a lot, uh, about, you know, this process that we're in, that we are now in Christ. We need to grow to be like him and know more about him. And so you come here every week and we talk about him. It's great. 
But a huge part of us knowing Christ and being like Christ is uh, imitating him as the servant that he was. You remember what he did, right, with his disciples? He gets to his last dinner and he washes their feet. And he says, it's, it's this example that I leave you. I want you to be servants like I'm a servant. He, uh, he desires all who know him to go from uh, having a more egocentric faith. We were supposed to be God-centric, but we start egocentric. We start very me-oriented, right? And so it's really easy in the church for us to come to church and be like, it's all about me. Like some of you walked in this morning and that person is in your seat. And that's where you sit. And they need to, I mean, they don't know this, but they need to move. Because this is my church. This is where I sit. This is where I park. This is how I have my experience. Now we sing songs as kids, Jesus loves me. And we take it a little too far. He does love us. Absolutely. But the emphasis in that song goes from Jesus loves me to Jesus loves me. And we're somehow um, convinced that we're special. He loves me, so he saves me, and then he leaves me to be all about me. So I live for myself, by myself, and I'll call him when I need him. But otherwise, if I go to church, it's about me. But Christian, it is not and has never been about you. The Christ life is about Christ and those that he loves. I am redeemed in Christ to serve him and his people. That's what Paul brings to light in the book of Philippians. You wondered if I was ever gonna get to the Bible. Here we go. In Philippians chapter one, I just read this this week. This is uh, all changed from what I prepared on Wednesday. Thursday morning, I went to my life group with my fellows at Cracker Barrel, and we read this in the study that we're doing. And, and Paul, just so you know, as he writes Philippians, he's writing from jail, bummer. Uh, he's uh, um, uh, writing, you know, uh, from jail, but, but he's writing with great joy. That's one of the themes of Philippians. He's just, he's rejoicing. Again, he says later in chapter four, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Everybody, lighten up. See the good. And he talks in chapter one, man, it's been so great to be in prison. I'm strapped to guards. I share the gospel with them all day long. It's so great to be in prison. All the people who are uh, trying to take my spot as the teacher, the main teacher in the, uh, in the church that I've you know, been responsible for, you know, by God's grace, to plant and grow. And they're coming in and they're speaking. They're just, they're just denigrating me and, and talking trash about me and saying all kinds of horrible things about me. But he says in chapter one, so be it. I'll take the shots as long as Christ is preached. Let it happen, right? Paul's one of those annoyingly happy people. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he, he gets to this part, he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my, uh, my deliverance. He says, this, this whole experience, me being in prison, everything that's going on, it's gonna turn out for the good. It's gonna turn out for my deliverance. I trust I'm gonna get out of here. It is my eager, eager expectation and hope that I will, be, uh, I, will not, uh, uh, I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, He's, he's basically saying, listen, it doesn't matter what's going on in my circumstances. I, I trust that God's going to continue to use me and I won't be ashamed of my, you know, my life as far as my dedication to him. Even if my life ends, and, and this gets really grave here, he says, whether by life or death, that doesn't matter. If I have to die a martyr, 
nor if I continue to live. It's all about Jesus. Because he says, everybody know this one? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, if I, now get this, this is where it goes, right from there. I don't know if you know the, we usually know the verse. A lot of times we don't know the verse after the verse. Like, does anybody know John 3, 17? Right? Here's what the verse is after the verse. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, in the flesh that means fruitful labor for me. I don't know what you uh, put in that sentence for your life. If I am to live in the flesh, that means uh, beach holidays twice a year. If I am to live in the flesh, that means um, uh, whatever it is that it's about you. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I would, you know, uh, given uh, um, the opportunity to dictate my future, to plan my future, I'm probably planning the things that will most favor my life. But Paul, as he writes to his friends in Philippi, says, listen, if I am going to go on living in the flesh, it's all about service. That means fruitful labor for me. Yet, he says, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I just don't know which way to go. I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm hard pressed between the two, he says. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. He wasn't suicidal. He wasn't you know, uh, depressed or anything like that. He just understood that the presence of Jesus is way better than anything this world can offer. And you and I need to understand that too. That to be with Christ is gonna far outweigh any of the very best of days here on earth. He says, man, to be with Jesus, that'd be awesome. My desire is to depart and, depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain, here one more time, to remain in the flesh is more necessary. Why? On your account. He says to the Philippians, if I am to remain, it is for the sake of others and for the sake of them having from me what God needs for them to receive. Once saved, we've got to get this through our head. Jesus leaves us here because we are needed by others in life. I read this morning uh, as I was re-preparing to speak that uh, Martin Luther King was preaching one day and he talked about the Good Samaritan story. He says, you know the difference between the first two guys um, and the, the actual guy, the Good Samaritan who stopped? The first two guys looked at the guy in need and they said, what's going to happen to me if I help him? And they passed on the other side. The Good Samaritan looked at the man who was beat up on this side of this road and he says, what's gonna happen to him if I don't help him? totally different story. If we come to service and we only think of ourselves, how is this going to affect me? How am I going to fit it into my schedule? What's, how is this going to you know, um, interrupt my happiness, my? Well, we're coming at it from the, from the wrong angle from the get-go. Because if we come at this from me, well, we're going to have a hard time ever starting. But if we come at this from how could God use me in the life of another? Well, that opens us up to other possibilities. I had an experience like this on Thursday night. Thursday is my Friday. Friday is my Saturday. I, I, I wind down on Thursday uh, after work. And so uh, I'm driving home. I kid you not, I'm driving home. I'm, every week, does everybody get this when I'm preaching? Every week I'm preaching something and God's like, okay, here. 
See how you do with this one, bozo, right? Because that's how God talks to me. So uh, a text comes across my phone. Uh, I, uh, I, I notice who it's from, and so when I park the car and safely uh, check it, I, uh, I realize that it's from a family in our church uh, who's saying, listen, one of our friends is moving. We've got two U-Haul trucks, 20-footers. She's coming from a long way. Uh, we could really use your help unloading this truck. And you know what I wanted to fire back? No. It's my Friday. I get Friday off, or, or Thursday night, and then Friday's my Saturday. I get Friday off, and I just, I don't want to do anything right now. Who's, who's had that reaction when someone asks you to do something? You're human, just like me. But the Christ in me trumped the me in me. Yay. And so I said, well, if I can help, I'd love to do that. A couple hours go by. I find that if I don't jump right on the service, right on top, you know, it gets, it gets easier for me to focus on me. And so a couple hours go by, and because uh, they're still driving, and uh, she fires back and she says, hey, we're almost there. Are you still willing to help? And that's where I really wanted to fire back. No, I told you yes two hours ago. <laughs> if you want my help, do it in my time frame. But once again, by the grace of God, Christ in me, trumped the me in me. And I said, yeah, just let me know. I went over there. They were here last night. We had a good time laughing about it after because they were like, jerk. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <clears throat> but I went over there for half an hour, 45 minutes, got all sweaty right before I went to bed, right? Um, unloaded a truck in the dark, boo-hoo. But that's why I'm here. Some of you are like, good, I have a project for you. No, uh, <laughs> that's why you're here. We are here for the sake of God and those that he loves. Paul goes on. Uh, to instruct his, his friends in Philippi in these things. He says, do nothing, chapter 2, verse 3, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. He says uh, in verse 4, he says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Is everybody picking up the service tone of things here? And he says, just in case you're wondering where I'm getting this from or if you're looking for a template to kind of model yourself after, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is in, or which is yours in Christ Jesus. He says, who, he's describing Jesus in his mindset, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he, kenosis is the Greek word, he emptied himself and then did what? Took on the form of a what? A servant. Yeah. The mind of Christ is humility. The mode of Christ is service. And so if we are Christ followers, we serve. And I, I look out over a room full of servants and I thank you. I esteem you for understanding this and living your life this way. I look around the room, I know there's some of us, this hasn't become us yet. We haven't become like Christ in these ways. I encourage you to change that. Because Christ followers are bodybuilders. Let's go to another passage Go back a book in the book of Ephesians. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that uh, God gave to the church the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers. Uh, verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of a ministry uh, for building 
up the body of Christ. I've taught this uh, uh, text here on several occasions, but let me just hit it one more time. Basically, uh, the way God uh, has organized the church is that he, he gives everybody certain gifts so that everybody's gifts can kind of meld together and the body itself can feed itself and grow itself and develop itself so that it can be successful in what God has given it in its mission. We have all that we need sitting in this room to accomplish what God has called us to do. Isn't that great? Just how he sets it up. So there's certain gifts, uh, apostles and prophets, uh, especially in the early church, the apostles were kind of the church planters, the church starters. They were the authority. There was no true scriptures, New Testament scriptures at least, for the church to base itself on. And so the apostles were kind of given as the authoritative um, word in the church. The prophets functioned in the same way. They spoke on behalf of God uh, to that early church. And there's lots of debate as to whether these gifts continue to exist today. I'm not going to get into those debates. I think for the most part, the, the crux or the, the big chunk of what the apostles and prophets did uh, in those days is contained now in the word of God, and that's kind of the way that we channel ourselves and function as far as knowing how to start churches and those kinds of things. But uh, the apostles and the prophets, and then these evangelists, evangelists back then, uh, uh, were uh, those who had been gifted by the Spirit to actually share the gospel, uh, and, and it didn't scare them, and they loved doing it, and they were able to teach all the rest of us who have been called to that same multiplying mission how to share our faith and stuff like that. And then uh, these, uh, 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 yeah, thank you, these shepherds and the teachers, it's kind of weird in the diction here in the Greek. Uh, there's no uh, article between them. It's just kind of this one word jammed together, shepherd teachers. Um, that, that, that's the pastors, the modern pastors have have been given a church. So the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and I'll call them the pastors have been given a church. They're all teaching um, entities, all teaching gifts to equip the saints, to get the saints ready. Every, every Christ follower is a saint. It's not just the people in the stained glass windows in the churches you grew up in. All of us are saints, and every saint is to be equipped for the ministry. Every one of us, given to what God has appointed us to do. In the end, uh, if you can go to the next verse, uh, the equipped saints will build up the body of Christ. So all of us will pour into all of us, and the body of Christ will become what it needs to become. So here's how I've, I see the church working. Someone, like Paul, arrives in an area, stay with me, and he starts sharing the gospel, and he goes to some, and some say, no, thank you, and he dusts his feet off. Just kidding, that's Marty, he's my friend. But then he goes to others, and he says, hey, God loves you, and Jesus wants to make a difference in your life, and these two people come to Christ, and he hands them... They're paddles. You get one. Come on. And then he goes to someone else. There'd be more paddles, but I can only carry five. <laughs> and he goes to another gentleman. He says, hey, come and follow Jesus. And he follows. And then he goes to someone else. And others hear the gospel. And this lady comes and follows Jesus. And they all head towards one house. And they become, in that area, the church. Now, they learn, they grow, they be, become uh, deepened in their faith, and they understand, everybody gets a chair. Nope. 
They understand, you sit right in front of those guys, that their role in the church is to serve right there, Jen, and right in front of Ryan, Don. So I was thinking about the church this week, and I remembered this picture from the Encyclopedia Britannica that I used to read cover to cover. Everybody else did that, right? And in the old days, uh, these boats had a bunch of oars, and then they had a sail. Let's call the sail the Holy Spirit. The wind blows and moves the ship. But a lot of times, uh, God chooses to work through those who are on the oars to make the church happen. Are you with me? So, in the modern church, especially in the early days, um, pastors and teachers were kind of seen as like kings. And so, they would bark and the people would row. You ready? Row! And they'd go wherever they said. And, and Keep rowing. Come on, we're not stopping. Keep rowing. <laughs> okay, now you can stop. In the modern church, though, uh, the, the church world is kind of um, understood, hey, we're paying that guy. And so uh, they see the pastors, the paid Christians, as the one who do the ministry. And so instead of me yelling row, they yell. Row. Yell it. Row. Oh, okay, and so I row. And I paddle as hard as I can, and I try to drag the church in the directions that God needs it to go. Does everybody see how this isn't going to work? Now, sometimes the pastor says, I'll do my part, I'll row. And he yells to the other people, encourages the other people to row, but only the right side. Don, you're on the right side. Only the right side rows. So row, right side. And I don't mean to impugn the ladies. Usually it's the ladies who are doing the row. And let's switch it. You guys stop. Ladies, you row. <laughs> okay, what's going to happen to this boat? So I hope, okay, thank you, ladies. You can stop rowing. See, they, they wouldn't even stop. That's how great women are. They wouldn't even stop. Way to go, ladies. So here's the deal. I'm going to close with this. God has saved us to serve. He has called us, given us all gifts, so that all of us together in what he has gifted us in can by his grace and in his strength take his church where he desires it to go. Is everybody ready? As we all row. Everybody in the room, paddle with us. We all. Come on, Marty, paddle. I'm looking right at you. Paddle, kid. Can you give it up for our volunteers this morning? Put it right in the bucket, sir. So now, I'll close with my thank yous. To everybody in this room and in those rooms next door who comes here, whether it's on Sunday or any day of the week or goes to life groups in the many houses that they're meeting in or who leaves this place, and I know many of you serve with Women's Resource Center or other organizations, uh, I think, you, should, you know, as much as you can, you want to serve in your church, and as much as you can, you want to serve where the church is serving. But to all of you who serve, thank you. As your pastor, I thank you for your willingness to honor God with the things that he's gifted you to do. Thanks to our elders and our ushers, to the people who make our smoothies, to those who hand us our bulletins and park our cars, to the many who train and love our kids. Thanks to those who cheerfully check us in and to those on our security team who constantly check things out. 
Thanks to our prayer warriors, our praise singers, our greeters, our group leaders. Thanks to those who serve backstage and on stage. Those in the tech booths pushing buttons, those in the nurseries changing diapers, those who come out in the hot of the day and pull weeds in our garden. Thanks to the many that I've not taken the time to mention, I couldn't be possibly begin to say every role because so many of you serve in so many ways, I'm grateful. Now to the rest of us, it's time. It's time. This is not what I want from you, this is what I want for you. There's so many things about the, 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 the life that you're in with Christ that you cannot learn apart from serving. It's like skipping class. God wants you in that environment so he can mold you, not just so that he can use it and he does want to use you, but so he can mold you and shape you. So we're going to sing this song. It's a prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, right? Help me, mold me. And then the last line is use me. My prayer is that God uh, sees all of his church, every one of us, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, I pray that he uses every one of us to accomplish his mission as we emulate our Savior and serve. Let's sing. The living God fall fresh on Next week, we're going to have the continuation of this sermon. I'm going to give you some ways that you can be a part of service uh, to him as a part of that service. And uh, So come back. We'll talk more about the joy of being a part of what God's doing in his world. Let me pray for us right now. God, thank you for a chance to, to come and, and to honor you and to be blessed by you as we do so. Uh, Lord, as we look to you for... Um, uh, you know, our, to be our guide in life, to show us what needs to happen in life. Give us, God. I know there's so many, you know, things that are in our lives. We're busy. There's so many things pulling at us. But help us to remember that you saved us to serve. You gave us new life so that we could be a part of this life and a part of the lives of others and making a difference in those that we come in contact with. Uh, for your name's sake. So uh, help us to identify what our gifts are and to figure out where you can use us to serve. Help us to, uh, even if it's not something that, you know, we'd, we'd love to do or, or that we're, you know, specially gifted to, help us just to have an attitude. What, how can I help? How can I uh, honor you, God, by serving and loving those that you love? Thank you for making us that kind of church. I extol and exalt and, and honor all, of, all who serve here, God. Thank you for their gifts and their using of, using of them. Uh, but Lord, make us all available to you, I pray. 
Thanks for serving us through Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Be safe. We'll talk to you next time.